This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Bear Boat Alaska, a pure DIY hunting game with one of their 37-foot adventure yachts. You and five of your friends can hunt, fish, set crab pots, shrimp pots, and take DIY to the next level. Bear Boat Alaska is locally owned by a Ketchikan resident who lives here year-round. Call Larry at 907-617-4542 or go to bearboatalaska.com. That's B-A-R-E boatalaska.com and tell larry you heard about it on this podcast all right uh paisley wartman and tyler bennett welcome to the podcast thanks thank you so paisley you grew up in uh craig and mm-hmm. uh, tyler are you from craig too or are you uh oregon no i grew up in uh, grants pass oregon okay is that where you're at now both of you yeah. yeah. Excellent. So small town community there. Um, how does that compare to Craig Paisley? <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of the one thing like, you know, everyone hears, Oh, small town mentality, small town. I think the, what the sign in town says like 38,000, but it's probably closer to 50 or 60. Yeah. Say. Just like in the County, you know, cause most people come into the grants pass. So yeah. And then I tell people, well, you know, you th- guys think everybody knows everything here. Go to Craig, where there's 1,100 people. So yeah, yeah. When I was living in California, I lived in a place that everybody said was tiny, and it was 40,000 people. And then there was a a town out the road that people said, "Oh, it's the middle of nowhere." I said, "If you're 20 minutes from a town of of 100,000, then that's not middle of nowhere." But, yeah, yeah. So I want to talk about the elk. Of course, um, Oregon is known for its elk hunting. Uh, Tyler, did you grow up uh, elk hunting or is this a, a new thing for you? Um, yeah, I did. Um, I got really serious into it about seven years ago. Um, and it really depends on where you go in the state. Like the coast has a high population of elk and then Eastern Oregon has a high population of elk. The Cascades that run right in the middle, there are elk, but um, it's very, very hard um, to get into them. Um so I've spent most of my time over on the coast and that's where we went this year. Um, got a few spots in there that seemed to always get into them. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so who's, was this just like a natural, Hey, let's, we're going to go hunting or did, was there a pitch to take someone hunting or I want to go hunting? What, how did that happen? As far as my elk or? Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I mean, we planned on it as far as bow hunting. I'm a new bow hunter. Uh, you, yeah, I definitely consider myself a newer bow hunter. So, um, I, you know, spent my summer in Alaska. And so there was part of me that wasn't sure about coming back, especially because I ended up extending my trip up home till the middle of September. Um, so I really only had a couple days of actual opportunity to hunt when I came back. So I kind of hemmed and hawed about it. Um, I did bring my bow to Alaska and spent as much time as possible in between fishing trips, uh, getting it sighted in and just practicing my shot, getting comfortable. Um, But when we came back, I just wasn't sure. Tyler was also successful this year, just a few days before I got back. So part of me was like, well, that takes the pressure off. We have meat in the freezer. Um, Maybe it's just a sign that I don't need to do it because I hadn't been back. And then... Uh, We had plans the last weekend of the season. His brother and dad had tags, and so they went up to the same area that Tyler had harvested his bull. And I still was kind of on the fence. I We were going to go regardless and be pack mules, but I hadn't got my tag yet. Just 
again, just was like, I don't know, maybe I don't deserve it. Maybe I shouldn't do it. Um, and then, uh, Tyler, he's a firefighter. So we weren't able to leave until Friday morning and like two hours before we were getting ready to leave, he had just gotten off shift and his brother and dad called and we're like, we just got an elk down and there's more in here. So you need to get a tag. And then that transpired into again, another successful hunt for us. Nice. So if you are a resident, it's not too difficult to pick up tags. Um, no, it's just over the counter general. There's mm -hmm. also, you know, there's, uh, draws and stuff as well and lotteries, but as far as what we did, we just did general season this year and all the, you have to buy your tag before the season starts. Otherwise you just get like a late fee attached. So mm -hmm. that's what was the case for me. I forgot about that rule of buying it before the season started. And I was up in Alaska and I think we just got back from like a fishing trip. And so the season had started. So I missed the boat then <laughs> and then just paid the late fee, which is like an extra $25 on oh, top of bad. a regular tag. Yeah, if you're yeah. in-state anywhere, it's so much nicer. When my wife was getting a PhD in Wyoming, it was just general season over the counter for her. So easy to get a whole bunch of tags. But in Alaska, it's all over the counter um, for a lot of the hunts. But uh, you either have to get a guide or it's just cost prohibitive. And so it ends up being just a mess. And as you're looking for these other hunts around the country, it's just so expensive if you don't have to get a tag and if or if you don't have to, uh, to win a draw. And it's it's crazy to hunt out of state. Yeah, for sure. I know um, I was an Alaska resident up until 2018. And that I know that's now that I want to hunt sometimes at home with my dad. It's like, oh, damn, it's like $500 yeah. now for me to do that. And so, um, yeah, it was very nice that it worked out back home now in Oregon. Mm -hmm. So as far as archery preparation, what type of shots were you, were you looking at? I'm pretty new to archery hunting too. I've shot my bow a lot and I missed uh, a couple of black-tailed deer a couple, a couple of years ago. And this last year when I was prepping for caribou, rather than just shoot at different distances, I was like drawing and then kneeling and then standing back up and then shooting. What were some of the uh, scenario type uh, things that you were practicing? Uh, yeah. So I, you know, aside from just getting it dialed in and so obviously sighting in at specific yardages, 20, 30, up to 60, um, I spent a lot of time this year. Do you, are you familiar with, um, her name's Courtney. I think it's pronounced pretty now her outdoor journey. Um, mm -hmm. she is based out of Oregon and she's all about, uh, just kind of like the female growing the female mm -hmm. community, especially in the hunting industry. And so she runs some really awesome archery camps and I was wanting to get back into it. Um, Tyler got me my first bow in 2019 and then just kind of wasn't sure if it was for me and stuff. Um, and then this year really wanted to get back into it. So invested in going to some of her camps and just networking with some women and uh, learning how to do a lot of stuff on my own, which was really good. And then one of those camps that I went to, we did a 3D course. And so we were shooting, you know, when it was all said and done, and I think it was like 20 to 30 targets per course and we did two of them. So, and those 3D courses are different because those targets are like at 17.6, mm. 62.9, like yeah. all sorts of different yardages. So that was really helpful um, in being able to just shoot, you know, between your pins and then just repetitions, really mm -hmm. reps on reps on reps. Um, you, and then some of those well? as well, especially with the 3D course. Um, sometimes like based on where it's, it's never just like an open field and you're shooting at random things. Like you're on a hillside or you are in positions where you have to be on your knees or, you know, balancing on the side of a hill. So. 
That did, helped a lot. Did you do pretty yeah. well on that? Or was it one of those things where you're going to go shoot the chorus and you do terrible and all of a sudden your confidence is shaken? Um, I actually was really surprised. I did. I think I, mostly I was nervous that I was going to like, my nerves are going to get a hold of me and I was going to be, you know, just shaken up and then shaking my shots. Um, but actually I did. Okay. It was fun. We weren't doing like, we weren't really keeping score. We kind of were, but, um, I was, I was very pleased. And then I ended up getting a new bow after that too. So. Nice. How long have you been, uh, archery hunting Tyler? Oh, shoot. Um, I've been archery hunting since I was 13 and I'm 28 now. So long time. Nice. Um, I rifle hunted for one year and then uh, my family decided to go into archery. And ever since I shot my first black tail, that was it for me. And I love it. I think uh, it's awesome getting up close and personal to an animal. Um, I think it's a lot more challenging. Yeah, shooting animals with a rifle at a long distance, that can be challenging too. But there's just always something about putting a stock on an animal with a bow. Um that I love and uh, I'll probably do it until I can't pull a bow back anymore. Yeah. Um, Being more like on their playing field, kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If for no other reason, it gives you a lot of like better choices for seasons as well. You're able to hunt things and, and you're going to reduce the amount of traffic. It does seem like there's a ton of archery hunters out there, but comparatively to rifle, like it's, it's definitely beneficial, beneficial to get a, to get good with the archery. That way it opens up those, those opportunities. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So let's get into the hunt there. How did uh, you get uh, you get the late uh, penalty fee or the extra fee for not getting the tag on time? And then you're going out there and you have expectations because they just got one down. And uh, are you nervous? Are you excited? How did that unfold? Yeah, I was definitely nervous. And then also like part of me, I was like, okay. Um, also coming out because we we had some unsuccessful years going into this too this was my first actual time hunting my own tag in oregon um but we didn't have uh well you got a deer last year but before that the last two years were fairly unsuccessful no deer elk in the freezer um and so i was like okay what are the odds you know i'm gonna get this tag but what are the odds that we get another one down also i got went into it partly thinking i was like i haven't been here to have my own boots on the ground Um, I've been in Alaska, you know, doing the summer thing. So I was like, if at the end of the day or at the end of the weekend, I paid for just a really good experience getting to go help pack out and be at camp and everything. So part of me was kind of telling myself, just don't have too high of expectations because the odds seem to be against you already. Mm -hmm. Um, Just because I was like, what are the odds that we're going to get a third one in the family? So uh, we went up there, met up with them, got the rundown. They had already gotten back to camp right when we got back. So they gave us, you know, told us the story of how it happened and their general area. And we compared like Onyx notes and everything that Tyler had taken. Um, and then went out there, poked around a few different places that mm-hmm. first night. And then did we, that last bench with everybody, we heard a little bit, right? Uh, yeah. But it, for the most part, it was pretty quiet. And we kind of came to found, find out later that the bulls in that area would talk more so like between like 7 and 11 in yeah. the morning for the most part. And then they'd go pretty quiet. It was still pretty warm out. During the day, it got up to like 75. So still fairly warm. Um, and then the next day started out. 
After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by big wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I first heard that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them and using their service, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they're the first company to sell wireless service online only. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. For anyone who hates their phone bill, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. I was hesitant about having to get a new phone and a new phone number, but with Mint, you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone and your same phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or for a family, and at Mint, families start at two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and to get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com/waypoint. That is mintmobile.com/waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Uh, where we were at, there was a lot of different uh, like skid roads and benches that we we're hunting. So, you know, we just go out on the different benches and try to do some locates and didn't really have anything going on all day. And then it was that last one. So we poked around all these places all day. There isn't a whole lot going on. We've done a decent hike that first night that we were there on Friday, um, checking out the area. And then we got into this one bench on Saturday and it was about two or three o'clock and same thing, hiking in, looked kind of good. Um, and Tyler was letting out some bugles and then we got an answer that, yeah. so that afternoon, which was really fun. So that started it off. Um, and Let's see, you went back and forth with that one guy for a while. We were, and it was kind of, I was like, okay, this is, we're going into real game mode. Like this mm-hmm. might actually happen. Um, could hear that bull, or bull bugling back and forth with them coming in. And so I was ready. And then he just kind of, he kind of went quiet. Yeah. He didn't want to talk anymore. So. Yeah. I, I've been doing it for a while now. And, uh, I, this year was the craziest I've ever seen it for elk. Um, my experience with my bull, hearing my brother's story and then her elk, um, it was just all just crazy the whole season, (laughs) um, how everything happened. But for her elk, we knew where they were at and where they wanted to go. And we kept working around this, this ridge and nothing would talk. And then finally we got right up on their level and um, I let out a bugle and instantly this big bull just mm-hmm. lights up. And I'm like, I look at her and I'm all, you know, Jack, I'm like, this is actually <laughs> might happen. And uh, I told her, I said, you know, that that's a mature bull. And then, so I start um, doing my thing with him. And I think like, once you learn how elk talk and what they, what they want um, is a game changer as a, mm-hmm. as a bow hunter. Um, no matter where you go, uh, different states, they all talk the same. Yes, there's Rockies that are rosy, but they all talk the exact same. And I knew by the way this bull lit off what he wanted. Like he was searching for cows. 
And I was like, okay, so I'm going to act like a, you know, a bigger bull that's got some cows. And then all of a sudden the, the sounds change of him. And I'm like, I've never been so confused. I'm like, here, this bull wants cows. And then now he's telling me he has cows. And so I'm going back and <laughs> forth with this bull for like an hour. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, Paisley, he's going to come. He's not. I have her out about like 30 yards. And then finally, after like just doing everything I could, uh, I was like, we just, we just got to go to him. Or no, he, no, he actually shut up. Yeah. He stopped talking. And so then that's when we we're like, okay. And we kind of looked at each other because we could tell that he was coming, you know, and you can, his bugles are getting louder and louder. And then all of a sudden he just went quiet. And so that was quite a while. So we're like, okay, like, let's go, let's work our way up this area. So we start working our way up, hiking in, and we got into kind of this more, where we were originally at was a small little ravine. So then we went up higher and there was a little bit more open area um, with a small creek. And then there was like a draw, like over this small hill. And so we are like, okay, it's been a little bit of time. Like, let's see if maybe they want to play some more. And so Tyler starts like letting off some bugles again and he well at this time we're thinking okay it's the same guy that's answering so and then so he answers again um and it sounded like that same one that yeah. was a little bit more mature so tyler once again he's like okay like you need to range all this get ready um and all of a sudden i'm like okay and i'm like looking i start ranging i look back and he's just gone tyler's gone he <laughs> disappeared back into no man's land and he's back behind me somewhere calling and raking and i'm just like well all right, I'm, he's doing his thing. I guess I'm out here doing my own thing and we're going for it. Uh, and so he, that's where yeah. it kind of switched once again too. Yeah, because, so this bull, I've never worked so hard for a bull in my <laughs> life. I didn't realize it was two different bulls. Um, they yeah. were right next to each other. We had a herd bull and a satellite bull. And I didn't, it, which we found out kind of later. Later, and uh, so I'm breaking, I'm bugling, getting real aggressive with this this bull, and he's just not coming. So I I didn't tell her; she was already up in front of me. And I'm like, her only our only chance of getting this bull is if I slide back and maybe I can pull him mm -hmm. away from the herd or whatever. And so I slide back. I keep sliding back, keep trying to work him towards her, and nothing. He's just not coming. And finally, after another like thirty minutes, like. I'm like, hopefully Paisley snuck in on this guy and got him. Mm -hmm. And so I start, you know, well, working back up towards so her. So, yeah, before you worked up. So then this is where he, once again, he's back in no man's land. And that's kind of all going on in his head, right? Because we are, I don't even know how you said, about 30 yards. Mm -hmm. So he's back there. Um, and I had posted up behind this big stump because I figured, you know, it's pretty open. Um, kind of have a general idea based on where he, the sound is coming from, how he's going to come in. Um, so I'm like, okay, this way, you know, I have, I can sneak behind the stump if he comes in, you know, more on the left or right or straight towards me. So I'm just waiting. He's constantly bugling. And then, and I had ranged because before I went into this, I had set some rules for myself. Like I only wanted perfectly clean shots and I wasn't going to shoot past 40 yards. Um, I was sighted up to 50 with my bow, but I was just like nothing past 40. That's, I'm putting a limit on myself. So I sighted everything in, you know, all the trees, just to get an idea. And then um, it was about 70 yards or so was where that little hill out in front of me was in a small creek. And all of a sudden that bull comes in along that uh, hill. And I'm just like, oh, wow, like it's real. Like it's real once you hear him and then it's real once you see him. So he comes in and he's 
still screaming a little bit. And then he gets behind these three big uh, trees and he's kind of raking around, um, not talking much, but Tyler's still back there doing his thing. And I kept telling myself, like peeking behind the stump, because on the left, I had good eyes. And on the right, there's a little bit of a slight uphill just in the topography to where I didn't have as good of sights on him once he was behind those trees. And so I kept telling myself, okay, like five more seconds, I'm going to walk up to him because he's raking. Five more seconds, five more seconds. And then eventually he just gets uninterested and turns around and starts making his way up that hill. Head down, just over it, totally uninterested. So I figured now's my chance to get after this guy. And I still, I look back, I don't see Tyler. So I'm just like, well, hopefully we'll find each other after this. Like this, however (laughs) this goes down. So as quickly as I can, I start making my way. I'm keeping eyes on him. He disappears over the top of this little hill. I get up there, you know, just kind of look at where he was raking. He had slightly went to the left at this top of this hill. So I, and at the top was a big bed of ferns and a big rock. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go slightly to the right. And then just in case he turns around and has interest again, um, maybe I'll have like a broadside shot once he gets past this rock again. And I could hear once I got up there, I was over on the right, kind of looking. There isn't much to conceal me once I'm up there and just hoping maybe he'll get interested and walk back out. Um, and I can hear stuff going on because we knew that at the on the other side of this hill, there was a little draw. Um, and I can hear stuff going on down there and I'm waiting, I'm waiting. I figure, okay, he must have went all the way down there already. Um, maybe I'll sneak around this rock and I'll have like an open shot or at least be able to see him down at the bottom. So I have an arrow knocked this whole time um, and I start to sneak around this rock and into these beds of ferns. And as soon as I pass that rock right there, he's like kind of raking around in these ferns, maybe 25 feet max from me. And so I, in one motion, it's, I was like, I don't even know how I did this, but in one motion, I dropped to my knees, I'm at full draw and he's alert. He's looking <laughs> straight at me, but these ferns are so tall. They're almost as tall as me in some areas of this unit that all I can see are his ears and his antlers above these ferns. And just, it's quiet. So quiet, except for the creek going on. And I'm at full draw and I can, I have my pin right on his, where I figure his chest is, but the ferns are so tall, I don't know for sure. And I'm like, this isn't clean, this isn't clean. Maybe if he just takes like two steps towards me, I'll have a clean shot, but I'm not shooting. And so I'm just sitting there, we can't even see eyes, but we're just like alert on each other. And it feels like an eternity. I don't even know how much time passes. I'm sitting there at full draw with this animal. And finally, I get to the point where I'm like, I can't hold this any longer. So I thought, I hoped that I'd be able to just like raise myself up off my butt. Because I had, you know, I was on my knees. My butt was resting on my heels. And that small, like one inch motion of me just trying to raise up, busts that bull. And this whole time, Tyler had creeped up finally. And so he busts off and Tyler's at the bottom, what, probably 30, 40 yards behind. And he's like, did you shoot him? And I'm like, no, like be quiet, like no shot, no shot. And I walk forward and come to realize that what I thought was originally him down in the draw was the entire herd down in that draw (laughs) drinking. He went down and busted up the mountain. It sounded like, and I'm, I look down, I turn back and I'm like, you need to get up here though, because we have an entire herd, like 40 yards away down in this Creek. And they seem they were starting to move their way out. And so I see a line of cows and I see the this big herd bull and then more cows from that bull busting up the mountain. He's scaring more of the cows down. And so there's probably like 20 plus um, animals in this herd. I'm just like, my jaws just dropped. I'm like, 
oh, like, wow, like we are right in here, like in their habitat, in their home. Um, so he, Tyler rushes up to me and he, by that time, the big herd bull was out of sight any longer, but we can see the cows. I'm like, well, they're moving this way and there's an even bigger bull. Like we need to go try to cut them off. Um, so we made a game plan and then we decided to go up. Why did we decide to go up? Because they, they went up. It was straight. Like, oh, if anybody's been on the coast, they know how steep the coast is. They went up this straight up hill. And I was telling her, I was like, there's no way we can go up that um, quietly and stay on pace with him them. So I was like, you know what? Let's back out of here. Kind of give them some time. Um, because elk, especially over on the coast, you can, just because you bump them, you can get right back on them in like 30 minutes. So you just let them kind of calm down a little bit. Um, so we decided to pull back out of there. I knew kind of where this other skid road up top would bump us right on top of them. And so we got out of there, um, drove up to that skid road, hiked in and, uh, we're like, I don't know, a couple hundred yards above them. And we got, still got good wind at this point. And uh, mm-hmm. so I let out a bugle and all of a sudden this big bull lights up right below us. And then this other big bull lights up right behind us, right where we just came from. I'm like, how in the heck is this happening? There, there were so many elk condensed in this little area. It was like a zoo in there. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And so I was messing with, uh, we tried to get her back in position for that bigger bull and it just ended up not happening. And so basically that we put them to bed that night. We kind of knew where they're at, kind of knew where this other like satellite bull, um, was going. Um, and so we ended up bumping out of there mm-hmm. and then I'll let her tell you the rest of yeah. the next day. Cause it's, it's wild. So that's day two, that's Saturday. And yeah, we did, we were like, okay, let's put them to bed like that. And at that point too, I was that spot and stock was so incredible and such a cool experience. I mean, I was within 25 feet of this animal at full draw. Um, and I was like, okay, like that was wild. That was an experience that was well worth my money for the tag already, even though it wasn't filled yet, but we decided to put them in a bed and we're like, okay, we'll come in tomorrow. Um, last day, last effort. And maybe we can get back into them. Cause there's definitely still some action. Um, and so we go to bed and the next morning we're like, okay, it was the last day. Um, I had just started school again. So it was already a little bit behind just taking time off for the hunt and everything. Um, and we're like, well, if we don't have anything down or if we're not like playing with something by 12, um, we're just going to head home. And that was his dad's plan as well. His brother and our other partner had already left. So we're like, that's our plan. We have a really busy week coming up. Um, that's just going to be it. So we go in and we figured um, that they would be, because all these benches were up above a great big private field and we'd been seeing them in that private field late at night. So we figured, okay, we're not gonna go right in there first thing in the morning because they're gonna be eating. Let's go try out a couple other areas. So we went out kind of, it was on the backside of that mountain and tried a couple things in the morning. Nothing was happening on the other side. Um, we're just kind of enjoying our time together, just messing around with some things on the camera and stuff like that. Um, and then we're like, okay, on our way back, we're going to start checking the benches on our way back to camp. Um, and so we went back in to, let's see, we went down on that bench below where I'd made the spot and stock the night before. And at that point we had met up with his dad and we we're going to go in, um, 
all together. So we go into this bench and figured, you know, it's a little bit lower. Um, it's about 1030 or so, maybe 10. Uh, maybe they'll be working their way up and we'll catch them before they're any higher. And so we go in there and me and his dad both had tags still and kind of look around, find this one area where it's pretty open. And Tyler lets off a few bugles and sure enough, gets an answer. Um, and it sounded once again, like a more mature bull. And so me and his dad kind of fan out and we get into position again. And Tyler goes back and forth with him a little bit. And then once again, just kind of quiets down. Um, and so we waited a while and finally we're like, you know what, like we kind of come back together. Like maybe this is just it. They don't really seem like they want to talk a whole lot. And so we were kind of all just talking saying how maybe we we're going to boogie on out. Um, and you'd given your dad the bugle. He's like, well, let me try one just for fun. <laughs> and so his dad lets a bugle off and something answers like instantly. And we're like, Oh, never mind. Like we got to get back into there. So he gives the bugle back to, or he, you take the bugle back from his dad. So we go back down his dad and I, um, he maybe answers one more time once Tyler has the bugle back and then is quiet. And we're waiting again, waiting around again, nothing's happening. And so we're like, okay. And so once again, we come back out and we're like, okay, like, I guess that's it. Um, we're done. So we start getting ready to go. Uh, took a couple pictures for his mom. And then his dad's like, well, let me let off one more bugle just for fun. Like, this is it. And sure enough, once again, a bugle screams and it sounded like a not so mature bull and so we're like okay what's going on is that something about your like bugle this guy's liking so it's going to be my chance to shoot so tyler and i go down and sure enough his dad lets off another one and this younger bull is just loving it ready to go he's going to mess him up mm -hmm. so we go down and uh get in position and sure enough this guy comes in and it was nice because Tyler was able to range for me so I'm probably like two or three feet in front of him we post up in front of this giant tree um on their trail and he was able to come in and we spot him at 70 and he kind of loops around and then Tyler was able to count down like 48 33 mm -hmm. and at 30 he presented himself with a perfect um frontal shot and so I uh, was able to get one in them at 30 and then um which yeah what she's about to tell you is even crazy i've never had to track a bull like we tracked him yeah <laughs> so and i so i knew i i knew i hit him i got i was totally confident in that shot and that was the thing was right before i pulled i was like you know let my nerves be calm let this arrow fly clean and steady and strong and sure enough that's what happened we walked up on where because he got hit and then he ran off you know just down this little hill and Tyler was like okay well we gotta wait and I'm like okay well he went around down the hill let me at least walk over before the hill drops and just where he was standing and sure enough there's blood immediately and I'm like okay like that made it that much more rule real um and so then that's where um ended up tracking him for three hours um around and around which was probably the toughest part of the hunt for me just because you know, everybody wants to make it as ethical as possible. So as every minute that's going by, I'm just getting torn up thinking, you know, did did he die an hour ago or is he still, you know, how much longer is this going to go? Um, so that was definitely the hardest part for me. It was just hoping that he wasn't, you know, suffering and just wanting him to rest right. easy. Yeah. 
but we end up tracking him. Um, and part of that track, actually, he went right through the spot and stock where we were the night before. So that was really wild and wondering if maybe this was like the same bull that came in the day before, cause he went right through the exact steps of where I had tracked him, was raking that other bull, except rather than going left at the top of that hill, he went right. Um, and then it was shortly past that was where we found him. Um, and yeah, yeah that, that was a wild feeling finally awesome. walking up on him. Yeah, yeah that, that bull went down, went up, went down, <laughs> went up, went up. And I mean, yeah. it was just crazy. And that just like goes to show you like, you can put really good shots on animals and you know, everybody talks about when they're wounded, they're, they're going to go down or they're going to go side hill. That's not, that was the biggest thing I took away. That's not always the case because her bull was hurt real bad. I mean, he had a lot of blood coming out of him and he was still going right up some of the steepest stuff. And it, it just goes to show you, you know, when you're tracking animals, don't just look down and look side hill. Like you have to give that animal a chance and you got to look for him up high too, because you know, that's the second animal that I've been a part of tracking where they actually died up the hill um, from where they got shot. So you've been hunting a lot and I'm sure you've learned tons of lessons. What what is was the main takeaway from this uh, hunt? Was it kind of that, uh, that they can sometimes go up? Were there other lessons that you learned or is there a reaffirmation of certain things? Because people talk about experience, but you it's impossible to learn everything there is to know about hunting or elk hunting. So what kind of was reinforced or what uh, did you learn from this one? Um, well, for me, I think it was just, I mean, one, I have a lot more to learn. Um, I mean, I am not a good caller. That was one of the things while we were out there was Tyler, you know, let me one day when we're on a different area, you know, try some bugles and they're not pretty, but I have a lot to learn, but I know some of the things that I took away were definitely um, like patience. You know, I was fully content with that first spot in stock on Saturday and the decision to not pull the trigger, even though it was only like 20, 25 feet away and it was just ferns that I was going to have to blow through, but you never know. That could have been all it took to mess up that shot and then it would have just been a wounded animal and could have been ultimately unsuccessful if we didn't find it. Um, so I know just kind of being very disciplined in those aspects of it and being prepared uh, during that three hour uh, tracking. I know there was times where I was like, gosh, I just want him to be down. Like I'll track him for the next day, two days. If I, you know, whatever it takes, um, I have water, I have extra food, like everything I need. I just want him to be done um, and resting wherever he is. So that was one of my biggest takeaways and just needing to be prepared for that. Um, but what about for you? Um, I always, I always talk, she probably gets tired of me talking about this, but I, I really think, um, when you're elk hunting, if you learn what they want in elk, elk language, basically, like I listen to, um, elk, Paul Medell, he's an elk nut and I started watching him seven years ago. And from that point on, I mean, I spend hours and hours watching YouTube mm -hmm. videos. Um, I know she probably gets annoyed sometimes, but just really studying how they talk. You don't have to be the best sounding caller there is out there. Like my dad does not sound that good, but I've kind of started teaching him like what they want in certain moments. And like, without a doubt, I know that's what called her bullying. 
Um, I felt like looking back at it, that, that her bowl that she shot, you know, I might've been a little too more mature for him and that's not what he wanted. Like, yeah, he would light up every once in a while saying, you know, I'm here still. But then I gave the tube to my dad and he doesn't sound as pure, Mm -hmm. but he still understands what they want. And I feel like as an archery elk hunter, if you put the time in to learning how they call, you will be very successful. Um, I never now really, I know that all of us in my family, we're going to get our chances. It's just, um, you know, getting into them and getting them in is the biggest challenge, obviously. But then like she's talked about, um, being calm in that moment. Like I'm super proud of her. I got to watch her shoot her first bull and for being nude, uh, archery hunter hunting, she was so calm and made such a good shot on that bull. And, uh, I just think, you know, calming your nerves in those couple seconds makes a huge difference because I've been with a lot of people that, you know, have shot bulls that haven't been as calm as her and either miss or make bad shots. So I think preparing all year like she did um, was awesome. Um, And it was just great to experience that with her. Mm -hmm. So, Do you hunt pretty well together? I know my wife and I there are times I'm a little less patient, uh, than, than she is. But as far as, you know, sometimes we separate, like we're pretty good at understanding like, Hey, we're going to meet back here. We're not going to go off on some, some weird thing. If I say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. As far as moving through the woods, you know, we try to walk at the same time and then stop and whatnot. So we're not just constantly making noise. Are you, are you pretty good at, uh, at, with agreeing or discussing different things and, <laughs> and just all the little fundamentals? Uh, I think I think we hunt pretty well together. Um, she she listens to me pretty well, and she's hunted enough, you know, back home mm-hmm. uh, deer that she knows what she's doing or what she needs to do. Um, so I don't. We never really I think have a problem hunting. Yes, when it comes to going out and shed hunting, absolutely not, because you kind of get down in la-la land, and you know your head is down more when you're shed hunting, so we've definitely been separated, and there was definitely one time, thankfully we had service, but uh, I was like, where did you go? Like, the dog isn't even with me anymore. I was so, like, in trick, like, tunnel vision looking for sheds but hunting is definitely different i think just because there's more of a mission and um we also went in we hadn't done a ton of hunts we've done some turkey hunting i went with you a couple times deer hunting um and elk hunting before but we definitely we talked about it more and so as far as hunting we do pretty we do pretty well yeah it's the other recreational stuff where it's not so much (laughs) of a mission that i'm just like doing my own thing whatever but no, that's yeah. great. That's that's great. So what's uh what's next? Oh, that's we actually just got um his calendar yeah. for work. So that's we I know he wants to do Alaska Bear sometime. Um I would definitely like to do some more hunting back home. Mm-hmm. Uh we have turkey in the spring. Uh there's also second season archery for me that opens up, I think at the end mm-hmm. of this week. Yeah, this upcoming weekend. Yeah. So. so that opens. Um so, you know, getting, hopefully get out there maybe for that. And, uh, yeah, maybe an Alaska trip for both of us. And then of course I'll be back there in the summertime. So always looking forward to that. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's special to be able to share those things with, uh, friends. And then that, that first, when you're able to see someone's first, I know with my wife getting her first blacktail, 
just she was so steady and it was just awesome to see and kind of share that and then her wanting to pack the whole thing out and just it's mm-hmm. it's a lot of fun to kind of be around that and I, I've never really thought of myself as a mentor because I didn't think I like I knew enough to be that, but it's it reinforces what you know because you have to explain it. it's that whole teaching type thing and it's it's fun to to be with other people when they're having those experiences. Yeah, it was really awesome. And that was I hadn't harvested an animal in five years since back home. So I mean, this was my first um, successful hunt in Oregon, my first elk, first archery ever. So that was really great. Um, And it was just very, yeah, really special, really cool. It was a really great weekend. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot for sharing the story. Really appreciate your time. Uh, Great meeting you, Tyler. And uh, hopefully we have some more stories. And uh, maybe uh, next summer, we'll uh, see you out running again. Yeah, thanks so much, Jeff. It was awesome. (laughs) Take care. Oh, where can people uh, like find you, uh, follow you on social media and whatnot? Yeah, most just Instagram's really where I'm at. Um, I'm at Paisley W underscore on Instagram. Um, and yeah, and Instagram for me too. I do have a Facebook, but I don't use it as much as Instagram. But it's uh, at Tyler Bennett zero zero seven zero 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 seven three something like that. I don't, I don't know. All right, awesome. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Take care. Thanks, Jeff. Bye. Bye.